Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. If you look at your telephone today, people know exactly where you are. People know exactly what websites you've been to, how long you've spent on them, what you've downloaded. They know a ton of information on you. KFC in China have been using facial recognition for people to pay for things. Walmart have started to use it. So, you know, a lot of big name brands have started to play about with the technology. Using facial recognition technology to allow you onto a plane, that feels a lot creepier to people. So can we learn something from that distinction? Colin, I heard on the radio the other day an interesting story. NPR was doing this story, and they interviewed a tech writer. Right. And she talked about her experience checking into a JetBlue flight. Right. They had this new procedure where when she got up to the gate, they told them the passengers to put away their phones, put away their boarding passes, and they just had to walk through some kind of archway and then pause for a second and they were cleared to go. Wow. And everybody thought that was a little weird. And it turned out that what JetBlue was doing is they were scanning their faces. So they were right. doing some wow. kind of face match technology. And then if you matched your face in their database, then you were able to board the plane with no documentation. Wow. Yeah. And that was the response of a lot of people, kind of wow, nifty new technology. Yeah. But after this radio story ran, I actually wanted to talk to you about it. So I Googled it, see if I could track down this link to NPR. And what I found was like five or six different tech writers who all wrote about this same experience that they had with JetBlue. And all of them found it creepy. Every last one of them. So when you Googled this, did you find out all the responses that I got on uh, LinkedIn after our podcast with Bill? That didn't pop up when I searched, although I do now know that most people find Bill extremely creepy. (laughs) That's what I'm telling Bill anyway. That was my interpretation. But yeah, no, we did talk about this on a previous podcast. People sometimes find technology creepy. And I thought that would be an interesting thing for us to return to now because it is kind of topical. We've got a lot of new technologies that are coming out. And it's interesting to me, and I noticed to you, how people react to new technologies. Yeah, what really surprised me was, so after we do one of these recordings, we always do a blog of it. And we always ask a question in the blog on LinkedIn and and on our website. And I was really surprised how many comments that we got where people were effectively saying that they found the technology very creepy. Yeah. And I thought it was quite surprising because for me, it just feels like it's the future. And it made me think, no, I'm going to have to speak a bit quieter now, okay? Because I'm going to tell you a secret, Ryan, and I don't want my (laughs) wife hearing. Okay. Okay. So Lorraine, my wife, doesn't like technology. And when I suggested to her back in the day that she should get a mobile phone, she said, why would I want one of them? And then obviously she got one and and she wouldn't part from it now. And the same applies to a Facebook account. The same applied to any form of technology. So I think I have one of these people living with me 
every night. We're a good pair to talk about this because I am much closer to Lorraine than I am to you on this. I also resisted all of those technologies. My perspective was, why would I possibly want people to be able to get a hold of me easier Yeah. when cell phones came out? I resisted them for a long time. Same with Facebook. I was a very late adopter to Facebook. So this should be a nice discussion here. I can try to help you understand how people who are not quite the technophiles that you are yeah. could possibly resist any of this stuff. And you can explain to me why I'm wrong. Well, okay. So I started Googling all of this stuff, and here's what I found, okay? I still use AltaVista, but sure, you know, if you want to <laughs> go for the newfangled technology. Yeah, you're still on Netscape, are yeah, you? And, no, you know, it's, a, it's a classic. Not really sure what the internet does for everybody. So I started thinking to myself, why is it that people are so sort of nervous about this new technology? And I started Googling it. And I found that when trains were first invented Mm -hmm. and were first being used, people were worried that you would get ripped apart if you traveled more than 30 miles an hour. (laughs) Okay. So everyone was going, oh, no, we definitely couldn't travel on trains. And I'm looking at this from a website called Ranker, which is really good. And it says the New York Times attacked the telephone. So in the nineteen, sorry, the eighteen hundreds, when the telephone first came out, the New York Times wrote a piece saying that they didn't think it should be allowed, <laughs> and they're going to invade people's privacy and stuff like that. Again, I'm not sure they're wrong. <laughs> Spectator now. magazine talked about the telegraph service in the eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. You know that we shouldn't be having that type of thing. So what I would genuinely don't understand is why people get scared about it. Because I think in yeah. 10 years' time, people are going to go, yeah, facial recognition, it's pretty obvious. You know, the cameras are everywhere. And actually, the technology is there to either help us and enhance our lives. That's the way I would look at it. I mean, there's a couple of approaches to take on this topic. I mean, one is trying to understand the why. And I think that's very interesting and can be useful The other approach is to understand the how, right? So you like to make the argument that these technologies are more or less, some of them more or less inevitable, like they're coming. It's just a matter of when and in what way and what are firms going to do with them. Yeah. The question is then, if you've got this inevitable technology that you're going to be using, you know, at some point, all airlines are going to be using this technology. Yeah. So how can you as a firm benefit from being on the cutting edge of this technology while minimizing the blowback of, I would argue, also the inevitable resistance from at least some consumers. Sure. So I assume you have lots of great advice on this because I'm the technophobe here who is fully on the side of people who fear the robots. You know, do you think my advice is get over it? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, everybody. (laughs) My genuine advice is that I just think it's Pandora's box, you know? I think that this stuff is already out there and already being used. So if you look at, and I know when Bill was on um, the podcast, he was talking about the fact that, which I think is right, you know, if you look at your telephone today, People know exactly where you are with yeah. various different apps that they're using. People know exactly what websites you've been to, how yeah. long you've spent on them, what you've downloaded. You know, they know a ton of information on you. They know stores when they're offering you Wi-Fi do that so they know where you're going in the store. 
So, you know, they, they can tell all those types of things. I saw an academic paper just a few weeks ago where they had data able to track people throughout a mall. Yeah. Using cell phone data that was picked up when you signed into the mall's Wi-Fi they were able to track this information about your phone, including the accelerometers. They knew like kind of how fast you were going and yeah. the degree that you were turning when you were changing. Yeah, like it was a lot of information. I mean, if you think of Waze, you know, the navigation app, it tells you obviously where you're going and it tracks where you're going and how fast you're going and, and all the rest of it. There was an article I read in New York Times which basically said that there's something like 9,000 CCTV cameras just in lower Manhattan. Yeah. So regular listeners will know that I base myself both from the States and the UK. In London alone, there's half a million cameras. So I think, personally, I just think this is Pandora's box. I think it's a little bit like the Facebook scandal in the sense that people don't realise how much they're being videoed today anyway. And if you think about it from a surveillance perspective, I know that you know, for another example, Madison Square Gardens have used facial recognition software, yeah. obviously, as they're doing at the airport, you know, for good purposes. Security I, purposes. For security purposes, absolutely. And I don't think anybody would turn around and go, that's a bad idea. Well, your choice of metaphor here with Pandora's box is an interesting one. I assume you meant by that that once this technology has been released into the world, we can't put it back, right? Is that what you meant by that? Correct. Yes. Because I would remind you that the myth of Pandora's box is that the box that she opened contained all the evils in the world. That's what couldn't be. (laughs) So, I mean, when we talk about new technologies being introduced... I take your point, and empirically, you're absolutely right. Like we get used to it very quickly. Yeah, yeah I would still, you know, libertarian kernel of my soul would still argue sure. that maybe we're getting used to some of this stuff too quickly. Yeah, but I think it's also what Bill said, which is it depends if you get value from it. Yeah. I agree. And in fact, I was talking to a client the other day and we were chatting about our, and let us declare an interest here because we have a facial recognition or facial expression, not recognition, facial expression service that we provide to customers where you can therefore use facial expression to tell the emotion that your customer is feeling in the digital space. So I was chatting to this customer about it the other day and, you know, they were expressing their concerns. But, you know, the reality is that as long as the customer is getting feeling value from the service that they are getting and you're improving the experience and you are being transparent with what's happening with the data and you can explain that actually on facial expression, so, in fact, let me just quickly tell people the difference between facial recognition and facial expression. Yeah. Facial recognition turns around and says, we can see that this is Ryan going into this car park because we can recognize Ryan's face. So, facial recognition is what you use to unlock your phone. It's what JetBlue is using to allow you onto the plane. That's facial recognition. Yeah. Facial expression is... I can see the points of your face and I can look at the micro expressions to see whether you are happy, sad, annoyed, et cetera, et cetera. Now, 
with that data, you don't actually allocate that to a person. And for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast, I'm, and I would recommend that you do the one that Bill did, you know, they did an experiment at his university where they tested all the students and they had facial expression monitoring the students as they came in to see what mood they were in and therefore uh, ended up, I believe, using that data to even adjust or to look at what food people bought during the day. So if they were particularly sad, then, you know, they had more comfort foods and so on and so forth. So to be clear, they were monitoring, based off of security camera footage, the emotions that people had entering into the food court. Yes. Not the emotions students had entering into the classroom. You you don't need any technology to help you <laughs> decode the moods. As a t- no. teacher, I can tell you. Yeah. No. And I think that Bill said that on a Monday they were in the worst mood and I think it was on a Wednesday or something because they had the day off on the Thursday they were in the best mood as I recall that sounds right yeah 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 so I think the issue for me is that this is already happening and my argument would be that you're better off getting on the front edge of this and learning how to use it and what you can use it and gaining the benefit and getting first mover advantage than you are to wait five years and then find out all your competition have done it before you have and gained that advantage and then you start experimenting with it because I believe this is already out there and people are using it. With that understanding then, how can we introduce the technology in a way that will make the creepiness as low as possible, given the fact that it's usually going to be in the best interest of the firm to adopt these new technologies and to use them wisely. Sure. How can we do it as least disruptively as possible? I mean, let's look at the case study, right? So Apple introduces face recognition technology on phone. I think Samsung had even done it earlier than than Apple. There was very little qualm about that. People didn't, you know, unlocking your phone with your fingerprint, also not that big a deal. Using facial recognition technology to allow you onto a plane, that feels a lot creepier to people. So can we learn something from that distinction? Why does your phone feel okay? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? I think for me, part of the creepiness with JetBlue would be, I didn't know you had my face anyway. So I've signed up for Clear in the States, and I've given my fingerprints, but I've obviously physically had to do that. Clear is a service that allows you to cut to the front of the TSA line. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, thanks for explaining. Yeah. Not everybody travels as much as you do. No. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Good point. Well made. (laughs) And therefore, the advantage is it's a quid pro quo, isn't it? I'm giving you this, but I also trust you as a brand. Yeah. And therefore, people that you're associated with to believe that you're going to, you know, hold my data in the in the right way. I think the other part for me is. You know, we're talking here about mass surveillance. Yeah. Yep. And it's not necessarily always mass surveillance. So you can go, okay, we're going to do mass surveillance of people's facial expression or facial recognition. But actually, a large part of this is when we use it with our clients is just around, okay, well, I want to change my website. I want to do some digital transformation. And just like I would do with any form of research, I'm going to get a sample group of customers and I'm going to put them through this. Now, clearly, you are telling the customer that that's what you're doing and, you know, they're sitting in front of a camera and what's happening. But the good thing for us about the technology is that 
Whereas when you're asking a customer how they feel about something, then you are currently reliant upon them giving you an honest opinion. And with the best of even the best intentions, that may not always be the case, because sometimes people don't like telling you how they're feeling about things. Whereas with this technology, even if you felt sad or annoyed or something, then the micro expressions that you inadvertently give are recorded and interpreted. And therefore, you can turn around and say, the customer felt annoyed when this happened. I don't know, a pop-up came right. up or or they couldn't find the buy button or you know something like that. So again, I, I think that there is a big difference between sort of mass surveillance, which I still think is the mass surveillance is still coming. And it sounds like you've got an ambulance coming as well. My office is near the hospital and or the police are finally coming to get me. <laughs> They've been doing facial recognition on you coming into the building, and they now reckon you're there. Hi, this is Colin Shaw. Join me on the first of a three-part webinar series called A Fresh Take on Your Customers' Experiences. The first webinar is on how customer emotions impact customer loyalty, and it's hosted by Freshworks. This will take place on Wednesday, June the 12th, 2019. For more information and how to register, simply go to this bit.ly link. Just simply type into your browser bit.ly backslash freshcx. That's bit.ly backslash freshcx. And I look forward to seeing you there. So we've got kind of a lot to unpack here in terms of what people can do. I think that the... You know, the examples we've walked through, how sometimes the same technology can feel more or less creepy. And I think it, we can generate some advice out of that. So one of the things that you pointed out, uh, which is actually something that Bill argued, is do people feel like they're getting value out of this intrusive technology? Yep. And if they do, then they're going to be less likely to feel it's creepy and more likely to be on board with it. But that's not kind of a neutral state of nature that's your job as a marketer, as a customer experience professional, to make sure that they understand the benefits and that they can see them. So, for example, JetBlue's example, like, like yeah, there's some advantage to not being able to pull out your paperwork or have to get your phone out and fiddle with that. I can't tell you how many times I've pulled up my boarding pass on the phone yeah. and then had my screen go back to sleep right as I go to scan it. Yeah, yeah. And then I need to like pull it back and I'm the idiot who doesn't know how to figure out his phone yeah. and everybody's behind me. So, yeah, I mean, even even though it's now much more convenient than it was in the past, facial recognition would be even more convenient. But, it, you know, based on the stories that I read, and I haven't been through JetBlue's technology myself, but based on the stories that I read, it seemed like it was a big surprise to people and people were not really kind of clear on what the benefits were to them until afterwards. So are you making sure that those benefits are crystal clear to your customers? The second one, which is something that you already raised, but I think it needs to be restated, what are customers' expectations? Like JetBlue apparently kind of sprung this on people. Yeah. As opposed to not to besmirch JetBlue. They may have had very good reasons for doing that. This may have been just kind of a, a beta test of the technology on just a few gates to see how it worked. But before kind of rolling it out, it would be wise for JetBlue to let people know it's coming. Like sell it. Like, hey, this is a great new thing. And this is what you're going to see when you come up to the gate. 
that's going to be far less creepy than someone encountering it and not knowing what's going on and being bewildered. So are you setting up people's expectations well? And are you highlighting all the benefits? Yeah, no, absolutely. And under that heading of what is it you can do? And, you know, you see, this is where I would argue that actually getting involved in this type of technology now is a good thing because you learn, let's be clear, everyone's going to make mistakes, okay? It just depends on how big the mistakes are and and all those things. So you've just got to get into it. But I guess the issue for me is, is that getting into it doesn't have to start off with mass surveillance. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it can just start off with, well, I'm improving my digital experience. Let's play about with it and use it for some of that. And, you know, A, that will give us some results, but B, we can actually start to see what results it will give us, the benefits of doing that. You become familiar with the tools as an organization. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Because obviously there will be resistance internally as well with some people um, worried about the even some of the accuracy of the data. Absolutely. Yeah. So this points to a third very important piece of advice for people. Is there a way to make it optional to allow people to opt in to give them control? So, I mean, think about online banking, right? So online banking had all of these great benefits that it could offer people. I was a late adopter in online banking. I'm sure this will shock you, Colin. I'm just glad you weren't around when the train was invented, mate. <laughs> I still don't trust trains. We've <laughs> been around those things. They're terrifying. <laughs> there was a real fear, because this was kind of early days of the internet, around the security of online banking and, and all this kind of stuff. Sure. So what did they do? They didn't force you into it. They didn't say, okay, now everything's moving over to online and you have to do it. And, you know, they allowed people to opt in and, you know, the adoption curve was relatively steep. Sure. Once a few people did it and you saw that it was going to be okay, then you put your toe in the water. And then now most people do online banking and it's very efficient. And, you know, we moved over to our phone now and you take pictures of your checks. And so, is there a way to allow customers to opt into this technology? Right? This gets to your point about mass surveillance versus something like research. So most people participating in market research are opting into that experience and are willing to do that, as opposed to now we're going to use this anonymous security camera footage that you weren't even aware that you know was there in order to use this new technology on. That feels a lot creepier. No, I, I agree. But, you know, again, just to throw out a couple of examples KFC in China have been using facial recognition to for people to pay for things. Walmart have started to use it. So, you know, a lot of big name brands have started to play about with the technology. And I know very few people who have got an iPhone 10 that don't use the facial recognition. It's not exactly the type of thing you normally turn off. But I think what happens is it gets mass market, doesn't it, basically? So at the moment, it is a bit more niche. But as it gets more mass market, then everybody starts getting more comfortable with it. But my advice would be very simple. Just play about with doing some digital transformation, some changes on your website that would make it easier. Any last pearls of wisdom from you? Uh, I think we covered it, right? So give customers kind of as much control as you can, be as transparent as you can, set expectations. People know what they're getting and what they're getting themselves into. Give people as much control or perceived control, right? I feel like people feel a lot more secure about 
the face recognition technology on their phone because it's their phone. Sure. And they feel like they're in more control, even though who knows what happens to that data once the Apple has it. People feel like they're more in control. So can you comfort people and, and let them feel more secure? What about you? What's your takeaways? I won't repeat all the things I've already said. My big thing would be to start playing about with it. And if anybody wants to have a chat about it and understand how you can physically go about doing it and what you do and all those other wonderful things, sometimes uh, a lot of times the devil's in the detail. If anybody wants to have a chat about it, then I'm more than happy to have a conversation with anybody and explain how we go about using it for digital transformation stuff and just reviewing websites and how customers are feeling. And if they want to do that, then just reach out to us, just at contact at Beyond Philosophy. Dot com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Time to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. Just jump in and play and see what happens. So thanks very much, everyone. We look forward to talking to you next week. Okay, thanks very much. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.